Welcome to the Sarah Smith Show, the podcast that teaches you how to use practical and mindset systems to launch and grow your business online and get the lifestyle that you've always desired. And I'm your host, Sarah Smith. Well, hello, my peeps, and how are you all? I am having one of those days where everything just seems to flow perfectly. And I'm telling you this for a reason, not just to make you jealous, because I'm going to help teach you how to do it. I got up this morning and I went and did a kettlebell session. Then I had a meeting with my techie team, my web designer. I wrote a blog. I served a client of mine on my one-to-one. I did a Facebook audit live in my group. And I even had a a mini swim in the sea. Now I'm recording this for you. (laughs) And it all ran perfectly. Even though I was late for the techie team meeting and my boss was late, after the swim, but I still have gotten everything done on time. So why am I why am I kind of you know telling you this? I'm not just boasting or gloating. <laughs> it's because I've managed to stay on track with my productivity and kind of even make up time to account for the delays. And that's because I now understand what creates productivity. There is a secret to productivity, and it's incredibly simple. Yet nobody wants to do it. So I teach clients how to organize their workflow and their calendar so that they can, you know, get shit done. And I definitely recommend that you would do that. And you can watch over some of my live videos that I put on my page if you don't know how to already do that. Obviously, you don't have to do it either. But getting organized and setting out a calendar is something that's really, really helpful to help get you a flow in your business and organize your day. So you can still get something out of this podcast if you don't have your calendar and your workflow done. Because this episode is is going to talk about distraction and focusing. But if you don't have an organizational system for your work and calendar, then like I used to, um, you're going to have a bigger problem you have to solve before you even have the ability to try to focus. So assuming you do have a system, but you aren't getting as much done as you want, it's because you aren't being as productive as you could be, or you're having fantasies about being perfect and about everything that you can get done. So I'll talk about that again in another podcast, but right now we're talking about focusing. So here's the thing about not being productive or as productive as you want. This is not a moral issue. It is not a flaw in your character. And I think in our society, we think productivity is like the old saying of cleanliness is next to godliness. We think productivity is next to godliness, even if we don't believe in God. We think it's the be all and end all. But it's an optional value. A lack of productivity is also not a moral issue. It's actually a completely natural result of the conditions that I'm going to describe for you in this episode that I'm going to talk you through, the conditions. So the reason that we've got so many books and podcasts and courses about productivity is that the real solution to productivity feels terrible. It feels shit. And so no one wants to do it. I did not want to do it. I didn't want to sit down and actually face it. 
but it kept catching up with me. And the, the real answer, the real solution is focusing. It's focusing. So I'm not saying that you should already know how to focus. It took me years to learn how to focus. I was always somebody who lacked focus, even as a young girl, as a teenager in my 20s, in my 30s. And then it's only now in my 40s. I'm not saying it's even to do with age, but it's taken me years to learn actually how to focus. So don't worry if you're going, oh God, I, I really don't know. I'm going to teach you how. Um, your lizard brain doesn't like to focus. What it wants to do is constantly scan the environment for pleasure or for pain. It's always asking, you know, is there something to eat or is there someone to have sex with or is there something that might kill me? Is there something that's all three of those things? The lizard brain is like it's always scanning around looking for anything different or out of place or change that might alert it to something to eat or something to have sex with or something that might kill you. And that's why your primitive brain is always asking. That's what it's always, always asking. So ingredient number one, the really primitive part of your brain, is always scanning for anything different, anything new, anything that's distracting or anything that's changing. So that's the lizard side of the brain. And then if you take into account ingredient number two, numero dos, your developed part of your brain, yeah? The brain, the part of your brain that should know better, your prefrontal cortex, it should know better. Um, this could help you focus this part of your, your brain. Um, but it's usually busy thinking nasty thoughts about your abilities, about your performance. Yeah, that's what that part of the brain also does. So the short version is you don't want to focus using the part of your brain that can focus because you know subconsciously that is going to entail thinking all these negative thoughts about yourself and have all the feelings that go along with them. So you don't really want to do the thing that you're trying to focus on anyway. So already we've got an uphill battle and that's what was going on in my brain for years and years was I kept procrastinating. I really wanted in my mind to do the task yeah, but that part of my brain um, did not want to help me focus because it knew that negative thoughts were going to come up and feelings were going to come up that I didn't want to feel. So I didn't really want to do them anyway. And we have a primitive part of your brain that's just, it just wants to always look for a reason to be distracted to look around, see if anything's changed, and check again, and check again. And then the other part, the prefrontal, the more developed part that should know better, that, that could help you focus um, on hard, you know, and work hard, is also the part of your brain that is being really mean to you, and really horrible, and really nasty, and really critical, and telling you you're not good enough, and you can't do it. And so you don't really want to be alone with that part of your brain either. You're slightly scared of it. And it's one of the reasons that we do thought work and we do meditation um, on all of our self-critical thinking and journaling, you know, is so that we can learn how to be alone with our minds. And then third, so we, we you know, number one, the lizard type of, type of your brain, part of your brain, and number two, the more developed part um, of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, are, are two things that are already blocking you before you, you even start to try to focus. Um, and then 
the next thing is that if you factor in what we're using technology and how much we're using it, okay, that it's designed to make it impossible for us to focus. And yes, you heard that right. It's like your software, your computer, or your phone, your iPad, they're all designed to make it difficult for you to pay attention to anything, anything. So remember, I said your brain evolved to be constantly scanning for food or sex or danger. Then your phone is designed to mimic all these things that your brain pays attention to in nature. So in nature, we pay attention to color, pattern, sound, movement, vibration. And your phone does the same. So this isn't an accident. It's like the more time you spend on your phone, the more money you spend on your phone. So that's how these apps are designed, is for you to spend more money on your phone. So the more your phone is a daily part of your life, the more you will spend money on the actual phone, you know, on buying things off the phone, on signing up for various things, on apps, um, or where advertisers are just selling you stuff that you're looking, you know, and Instagram is free. And the more you look on Instagram, obviously, and Facebook, the more you'll see advertisers are just sitting there hoping and the eventually that you'll buy. So these games, these apps, they're all designed to, to drip out dopamine, yeah, in patterns that are really, really specifically put together to keep you coming back for more. These dopamine hits, these pings, these dings, these lights, these sounds, this buzzing. So, you know, software companies, advertisers, hardware companies, they're all trying to make the product as addictive as possible. So the more that you scroll, the more you spend either directly or indirectly, you know, of your money, the more money you spend. So the same is true of your computer. So more and more, especially as we start to use apps that work across multiple platforms. So, you know, we've got Gmail, you've got Pinterest, you've got Google Drive. We have all these other chat platforms, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and we use them on multiple platforms. So they're with us all the time. All those brightly colored badges, all the rings, the pings, the flashing notifications, they're all designed to keep you hooked on the dopamine hit of, again, getting something new. So your brain is curious. If your brain sees a box, if it wants, it wants to know what's inside, because there might be food or there might be danger or sex. And that's, that's pretty much how they see your email as well. There's either going to be someone saying something nice about you or reaching out to you or validating you, or there might be something dangerous, someone criticizing you or wanting something you don't know how to do. So it's positive or negative, and you're looking for pleasure or trying to avoid pain, and you're scared about it. And modern life, especially if you've got like a desk job or if you work for yourself, essentially an all day, every day electronic orchestra, really, of rings and dings and pings and flashes and vibrations. What an orchestra. <laughs> um, they keep your brain constantly distracted and just looking for the next stimulation. And when you're already disinclined to focus on something because you've thoughts about your own ability, if you're already like, oh God, I don't even know if I can write this blog or tackle this website or do a Facebook Live, you know, and you're already disinclined to focus on it, 
because you just think you can't do it. Or maybe you're thinking about all the other things that you have to do. Um, you're so willing to be distracted. I was so shit at this. I was just so willing to be distracted. Oh, have to reply to that comment, have to reply to that email, must, you know, distract myself. So that there's truly no way to be productive when you are responding to all the stimuli that your phone and your computer and your iPads and everything want to offer you. So this is what you have to do. You have to turn all that shit off. Seriously. Turn it off. So I want you to notice right now how resistant you feel to me saying that. You don't want to turn it off. In fact, now that you're thinking about it, you want to check it right now, don't you? You you want to pause this, this podcast, and you want to quickly hop on Facebook or Instagram real quick. Or even better, maybe you'll do both at once. Because of all these electronics, we've all gotten used to what we call multitasking. And I'm saying it that way, what we call multitasking, because it's it's a lie. It, it It's not really multitasking. You can't do more than one thing that requires mental attention at the same time. You can do more than one thing at a time if one activity is governed by the part of your brain that encoded repeated action sequences that can operate subconsciously once they've been learned. Right, so you can. We've all been able to drive somewhere if we know the route really well without paying attention to it. So that's your brain has got encoded repeated action sequences so it can operate subconsciously. You can drive somewhere that you've already known without paying attention. You've done that so often that your brain can subconsciously do it now. It's the same with walking. You can walk and talk at the same time. You can do the dishes while you're thinking about something other than the dishes because you've done them so many times. You can't drive somewhere new trying to pay attention to directions and also thinking about something else at the same time. So we've all had that. Like if I'm driving and I'm trying to deal with new directions and I might have crossed, you know, a good few lanes of traffic, I'm not sure where I'm going. I don't want someone else talking to me about something complicated at the same time. I can't think about both of them. You can't write one thing while you're thinking about another. Uh, Not well anyway, for sure, you know. And think about if your mind drifts while you're reading. You have to reread it. Have you ever done that? I certainly have. Again, as I said, I've always had trouble focusing. I'd be reading a book, I'd drift off and I'd, whoa, I don't remember taking in that page and I'd have to reread it because I didn't absorb any of the information because my brain was otherwise engaged. I was just doing the automatic behavior of scanning the words with my eyes, but the interpretive part of my brain that does the thinking was doing something else, so I didn't retain any information. So multitasking is just a lie. And many of us will try and, let's say, write an email while we're on a conference call. We don't try to write an email and send a text at the same time because we need our thumbs for both. But we'll try to do one and then the other or write half the email and then send a text and then go back. But the studies show that switching really rapidly between different tasks, different tasks is actually just as bad as trying to multitask. And I think when most of us talk about multitasking, it's really what we need. We What we mean, we mean switching around a bunch of things or trying to work with the TV on. 
So when you switch from one task to another, the time you lose in getting back to the original task can be anywhere from 20 minutes to three hours. Imagine that, like up to three hours just to get your focus back on. So if you're doing, if you're an artist or a musician or a creative, you know, or you're writing blogs or you're creating a website and then you keep switching, switching and can take you up to three hours. So in fact, you're losing time and, and you're doing this dozens of times a day. So repeat it with me. Multitasking is a lie. And switching between different screens and apps and tasks in rapid succession, it's really damaging to your productivity. It's also damaging to your brain because it it damages your short-term memory and it really impairs concentration. So if you want to increase your productivity and not ruin your brain, you have to learn to focus. And it took me years to learn this, and I learned this the hard way. Um, the way we learn how to focus is that we do it for really short periods of time and build it up. So I started with 10 minutes of working on one task and shutting off all notifications, um, and I worked my way up from there. And I use timers, and I work in 20-minute blocks, and then I take a 10-minute break or five-minute break, and then I go back on. And I, I do maybe three to six sets of that. So I never work in massive stints because – Honestly, it's just not productive. You can't focus. So that means that you're going to have to shut off all your notifications, exit your email, you know, exit Google Drive, LinkedIn, mute your phone, put it across the room where you can't see it. That's what I did. Or even better, turn it off entirely and put it in a drawer. Um, even just seeing it will make your brain want to check it. Silence your computer so you don't get any notifications. Like exit all software other than the thing, the one thing that you're working on. That's what I did. And if possible, do what you're working on, not on a computer. So I always write my projects out on Post-its or in my book first. Um, I do type long things on a computer. But if I'm planning an event or I'm, I'm planning a big project or a concept or a program, I'll actually do that on pen and paper. Uh, when I can, so that I'm not even looking at a screen. So regardless, however you, you can do it, you close out everything else and you work on one thing for 10 minutes. And I pick 10 minutes because I know some of you have thoughts that you have to be immediately available for anything at all times, any text messages, any emails, listen to me. Unless you are a trauma surgeon in an emergency room, that's not actually true. That's not true. It's a thought that you have, is that you have to be available. Everyone can shut off their notifications for 10 minutes. So I have to warn you that for some of you, if you are actually going to do it properly, then it can be excruciating. I found it painful. I found it excruciating. I found it difficult. Um, you're going to be itching to check your phone immediately. And the minute your brain has to actually think about something challenging, it's going to whisper, hey, Maybe, maybe that person on Tinder messaged you back. Hey, maybe someone's liked your, your page, your post. Hey, maybe there's that email, you know, but you've got to ignore that whisper because most of us are completely habituated to checking our phone. Any moments that our hands are idle, you know, in a lift, walking on the street, in a queue, waiting for food, or, you know, any time that we have to think about something or that we have a feeling that we don't want to do one of those few things. So, this is going to be like learning to stop smoking or, or maybe drinking less or, you know, emotional eating or, or anything like that. OK, so 
it's, I'm not trying to say this to scare you off because you can totally do it. You can totally do it. But I'm telling you this because it's going to be intense for some of you. And that's good to know going in so that you don't expect it to be easy. And then you don't shame yourself if it isn't or think that something's gone wrong. Because some of you will kid yourself and you'll turn off your notifications for a few days or even one day and then say it's too hard and that you tried it and you'll give up. But that's not doing it. Because these devices have been designed to be addictive for you. That doesn't mean that you can't be in charge of the relationship with your devices. You can. But like any any dopamine-dependent habit, you have to expect it will feel uncomfortable and not to answer that urge because you are habituated by it like I was. So here's what you do. When you get the urge to check your phone or your email during your 10 minutes of focused work time, you allow the urge to be there in your body and you don't act on it. So don't kind of white knuckle it or resist it and don't try and fight it. So just like an emotion, you want to allow it and then just get curious about it and be like, oh, what does it feel like in my body? Like, where is it? Is it hot or is it cold? Is it slow? Is it fast? Is it contracting, expanding? Is it darting pain? Like, what what am I feeling? And then it's to remember also that you have an abundance of time. You have loads and loads of time to check later. Yeah, you've loads of time to get this task done. So it's trying to go from scarcity to abundance as well. So that scarcity mindset of there's not enough time in the day, I'm always chasing my tail, time is against me, is time works for me. There's always enough time. And that's what thought work does and meditation does is it helps to collapse time. So what does it feel like to have an urge and and just not to answer that urge? So learning to allow urges without acting on them is really, really powerful work, really powerful work. And again, that can apply to any dopamine driven habit that you have, habit that you have. And I found it, still find it so powerful. So as you get better at it, you can work up so you can go to 15 minutes, you could go to 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and even a whole hour. Try, Try not to jump too quickly, because then if you fall back, you may give up. So try and be continuous with the 10 minutes for at least a week before you go to 15. And the best days that I have productivity wise are the days that start the night before, where I turn off my phone before I go to bed. And then that day, I don't turn it back on or I don't log on to my computer until around one or two o'clock. And then I get a massive amount of, of kind of thinking and creating done on those days. So I know that's not going to be feasible for all of you, but You can all start with 10 minutes and work your way up. I actually had a client on a one-to-one recently, and she had a very high-level job that she was transitioning from to setting up her business online. And when she came to me, um, she had thousands of emails in her inbox and literally no time on her calendar to do any work. She was in meetings or she was in her emails all day. She had all of her notifications on all the time. She responded to email like immediately and her door was always open. So she was interrupted literally every minute she was in the office by something on a computer or a person coming in. So we started with her turning off her email notification and closing her door for an hour a day and actually working on substantive work during that hour. And then she'd spend an hour responding to email. So then she had more space and energy in the evening to work on her side hustle of her her online business. And my live videos on Monday is where I get really specific about what you might need to do in each block of time that you spend 
um, and that you've got to save time for your email and your LinkedIn and whatever to process all those notifications. And that's what I did with my clients because client because within within a few weeks she fought me tooth and nail. Um, but with, within a few weeks, she was getting down to inbox zero and at the end of every day and she's getting way more work done um, than she has in years. So all the emails and the apps and social media, what they all have in common is that they can be totally useful or enjoyable. That's fine. But they need to be done one at a time on purpose and not just constantly checked whenever you get pinged. So I'm not saying you should never check Facebook, Instagram, social media. You should never look at your phone. You should never play a game. What I'm saying is you want those choices to be intentional. So the Sarah Smith system to shine, it's my Facebook group. I obviously don't think that Facebook is inherently terrible for you to use, but I would never recommend that someone is trying to maybe write a blog and participate in my group and listen to music and text people and have the TV on. You cannot do all these things at once. You'd be much better off scheduling half an hour to scroll Instagram or scheduling half an hour to participate in Sarah Smith system group conversations, then scheduling an hour to watch Netflix to relax and scheduling two hours to work on this project or whatever and doing each thing separately. So when you try to do everything at once and you bounce back and forth, everything takes longer and it doesn't feel rewarding and the quality is lower. So there's just no benefit to trying to do it all at once or jumping back and forth and responding to all those notifications. God knows I did it for years. So you want to set aside time to go through your email, set aside time to do your Google notifications, set aside time, yes, to hang out on Facebook or Instagram or Netflix or whatever, or to participate in Sarah Smith System Group, but do it on purpose and don't try to do them all at once. You need to turn off everything that's trying to distract you, everything that wants to make money off your attention, because if you learn how to tolerate the discomfort of focusing and not answering the urge to distract yourself, that's how you'll get to be the one who makes money off your own attention rather than giving it away to somebody else who's profiting off it and you get nothing. So if you struggle with productivity and multitasking and you're not in my group, the Sarah Smith System to Shine, you could find it on Facebook and request to join and I can help you go through setting goals for this process and evaluating your progress and to helping you deal with those urges all in the group because it's entirely, entirely possible for us all to be more productive. We just need to be real about where we spend our time and how and then do things with far more intention so that we are the ones that benefit in the end, not all these big companies like that own the apps, etc. that are taking our money. So I hope this has helped somebody today. If you're not in my group, like I said, request to join and hopefully I will see you there.